Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Today we are talking about my favorite interstellar object, a Muamua, uh, for the second time. Specifically about how it could have formed from a planet being ripped apart by a star and then having it flung out into the galaxy and eventually reaching our solar system. This is actually a really cool paper. And with a lot of these planetary astronomical papers that we get into, it really just puts the entire universe into perspective, mostly from the fact of how small we are and how large these scales are. But it's really cool, really elegant. And there's a great video as well that we'll be posting. So check that out on our website, paperboyspodcast.com. Yes, actually, because I didn't say it early enough in the episode, you should check that out now. Watch the video. It's only 45 seconds. It'll give you a really great physical picture of what's going on and will help make some of the stuff make some more sense. So prepare to have your mind blown and learn about some interstellar comet action. And uh, thank you for listening. Welcome to Paperboys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I'm your host, Charlie, here with my co-host, James. What's going on, James? Not too much, Charlie. Happy to be here for episode 87. Dude, 87 episodes. We're getting old. Can you believe that? 87 episodes old. Yeah. we're In podcast years, we're a senior citizen. We're ancient. Yes. Nearing the great podcast extinction of 2020. Yes. Dude, no, I feel like... Uh, <laughs> It's the opposite. There's probably like a podcast explosion of 2020. That's true. With, with everyone coronavirus. now, it's like, yeah. what else are you going to do except start a podcast about your favorite topic? Yeah. It was already easy enough to start one. This is great, though, because this gives us our indie in to be like, we were doing it before a pandemic. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't say we were doing it before it was cool because we definitely joined at the peak of the podcast hype train. Yeah. But we can, you know, we can get throw a couple qualifiers in there and got something unique. Yeah. So what do you have for us this week? Dude, very cool paper. Yeah? Yeah. So do you remember Oumuamua? How could I forget? Yeah, I know you do. I'm really more asking like for the audience sake. Oh, the royal you. The royal you, yeah. So I know, so Oumuamua was this, or is, this asteroid that we observed in 2017. Asteroid? Question or, mark. Or potentially an alien spacecraft. So... This is a callback all the way to episode 13 of Paperboys. Wow, episode 13? Dude, can you believe that? No, I, I was, thought that was like episode 56. I was so alarmed. I was like scrolling through the list looking for it and I like kept scrolling, scrolling. I was like, wait, where is this episode? 13? We were just young podcasters back then. Just little babies. Yeah. Wow. So great, episode... Great episode. Great yeah. paper. Yeah. So episode 13 was uh, about this asteroid called Oumuamua, which was the first ever interstellar object that we have observed. So it came from outside of our solar system, it zipped by our sun, and then we, and then some astronomers noticed it after it had already passed the sun. And it was like flying back out of our solar system. And we've never seen anything that came from outside of our solar system before. Well, except recently, wasn't there another interstellar object right after that was detected? Uh, Yeah, last year. So I think in 2019, there was this uh, they call it like Borisov, Comet Borisov or something like that. 
okay. named after the guy who discovered it. So now we've observed two. That was, but like the first ever was in 2017. So it was like a kind of a groundbreaking discovery. Mm-hmm. And, and it then, has a great name that's obviously very memorable. Oumuamua. Oumuamua. Yeah, it's so cool. So the paper that we did for episode 13, though, um, was kind of taking these like odd characteristics of Oumuamua and using it to argue that it's it's possible that this was an alien spacecraft. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard some of the other episodes where the reason these papers make it into the headlines is really just for like two sentences that pop up in the conclusion. Like oh, yeah. another example being the uh, did space, what was it? Did supernova explosions like cause humans to start walking? Oh, it's like, yeah. A small like afterthought in the conclusion and then it explodes in the media. Yeah. But it was funny because like, A, you can't say, no, it's not an alien spacecraft. <laughs> and B, you're like, dang, this this made so much more news just because of this one line. And C, it was like the chair of the Harvard Astrophysics Department. Who yeah, wrote someone that who's paper. very <laughs> high up there and yeah. very well respected. So it was kind of crazy. And but I mentioned that Oumuamua had some really unique characteristics. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's not only that it was discovered, like, the first interstellar object, which already is, like, really cool. Yeah. But the other thing about it is that it just, it's very strange. It's, like, most asteroids or comets that we see, they're, like, generally spherical or they're kind of, like, blobby as though, like, a bunch of spheres have kind of come together. Oumuamua is, like, nothing we've ever seen. It was shaped like a cigar. Really? Or, like, some measurements indicate it. it maybe it was even, like, a pancake. I remember hearing because it's like the width and height dimension are big. Like it's not a small object, but then you look at the the height of it or the depth of the object and you're like, it's orders of magnitude lower. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, think of it like an aspect ratio, like it's length compared to like its thickness is like 10. Yeah. Or like more. It, 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 it literally is like a cigar. That's what it looks like. Hmm. Um, and so we've never seen anything like that either. So everything about this was like super weird and unique. Wow. Um, tell me this. Tell me this paper is about radio transmissions received from Oumuamua asking for intelligent life. Uh, yeah. It, uh, so we received some signals, some lights that said. Uh, blinking lights. Some That's blinking perfect. lights. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, spotted over Phoenix. What was it? Was it Phoenix? Is that. What's the Phoenix Lights? Is that the thing? Oh, I haven't heard that. Oh, that's like one of those famous UFO sightings. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure that it's actually Phoenix. Yeah, the Phoenix Lights, 1997. Oh. Anyway. Huh. That's, not actually, that's not actually what happened. <laughs> okay. So, uh, no. So, that brings us now to this paper, which uh, is attempting to explain basically where Oumuamua came from. So, not, oh, not alien spacecraft, but like what could actually be the true origin. Which is... Equally fascinating and much more tractable. Yes. And dude, I'm not going to lie. Like this paper is so interesting. Really? Like, yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's like, you know, we talk about like Occam's razor. I think this is like, mm -hmm. you know, if this turns out to be true, this is like the most clear cut example of like Occam's razor. You Can know, you... the simplest explanation is, is most likely to be correct. Yes. Okay. Because you have two explanations. One is this thing's very bizarre. Well, it's possible an alien civilization constructed it as a means of propulsion, and uh, so, and that's why it would have this shape, and and yada yada. Like that's just a crazy explanation that relies on so many assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. This paper comes out and basically just says like, 
here's this really simple model. It produces trillions of objects that look like a muamua and like is consistent with all the observations. Okay. But that I mean, makes it sound boring. No, no, but no. But it's really cool. That's fascinating because you're like, where could it come from? And, you know, you imagine its trajectory passing through our solar system and back out. And you're like, oh, it could have come from like literally anywhere else in the universe. And anywhere. who knows when it started on its path? We don't know how old it is. I so, mean, yeah, it could it could literally be from like a billion light years away. Yeah, it could be. Uh, well, no, it couldn't be. Because it's not traveling fast enough. <laughs> that was that, a test. It would be that older than it would be older than the universe then. In okay. which case it would be a very special object. But that's cool though. So they actually talk about based on its velocity, how could you start to track where it may have originated? Uh they don't really talk about like where it could have originated. Okay. But just how. So All right. I'll stop guessing. Yeah, so I, I guess and it's kind of my fault. I've been teasing too much. So why don't I read some of the headlines that popped up? Yeah. Let's hear it. So Science Alert says, new study could explain how Oumuamua got its bizarre shape. Astronomy Magazine, cosmic visitor Oumuamua may have been ripped from an alien world. You knew it was going to happen. Someone word, had to say it. Someone had to say alien. Yeah. Well, here comes uh, Vice. Scientists determine how an outer space object got shaped like a blunt. Dude, I used to really like Vice, and now they're just... What happened? <laughs> what happened to vice man this is like new york post level yeah like come on yeah that that's like that's like the lowest form of clickbait <laughs> <laughs> like at least well to their credit they didn't use the word alien that's true but like alien is actually more accurate here like alien <laughs> is actually like a useful distinction rather than uh yeah rather than saying oh it's shaped like a blunt an interstellar object <laughs> like they're just pandering to their audience yeah <laughs> okay and so what was the actual paper then so the actual paper came out of uh nature astronomy it was like letters of nature astronomy and this was published on april 13th 2020 called title fragmentation as the origin of Oumuamua." and the authors are uh yun Zhang and douglas lin and they have affiliations with the chinese academy of sciences tsinghua university uh here's a french one for you james Université Côte d'Azur, wow, well said, which is in France, um, University of Maryland, and UC Santa Cruz. Wow. Yeah. It's a broad sampling. I know, two guys with a lot of affiliations, but anyway, I was going to say, you are familiar with tidal forces now after a couple episodes back. Yes, a couple episodes dabbling in um, the moons of Saturn and Jupiter. Yeah. So uh, you probably heard in the title, whoa. That's a weird homonym. You probably heard in the title of the paper, title fragmentation. Yes. I And you you had me hooked at title. Mm-hmm. I knew you'd be interested. <laughs> this pa So title fragmentation is like a process that we already know exists. Like it's, mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's the way that the rings of Saturn formed. Ba the, the basic idea is like when an object encounters uh, a very strong gravitational well, like closely there's a certain limit inside which you can't have like a cohesive mass it just gets ripped apart by like the the gravity gradient so for example like if you had a moon that was orbiting a planet it there is a limit to how close it can actually be orbiting before it's just ripped to pieces right right, right. and so 
all of the moons that are that exist now they are past that limit for any planet that you look at and anything that would have been inside that limit has either been ripped apart and or it has been ripped apart and swallowed or is in the process of doing so yeah and so you think of you know with moons they that would turn it into rings because they're staying in orbit mm -hmm. but you can also have something that's on like a flyby trajectory that could also undergo this process of tidal fragmentation so in this case you have something that's like it's not locked into an orbit but it's it's passing and like half of it passes too far it just half of it gets too close to the planet and is ripped off right is that yeah, what you're saying? or just it or just like, you know, even if the whole thing is within that limit, it gets like because it's close in the object gets ripped apart, but then it doesn't stay in orbit around that thing. It just keeps going back out. OK, so the forces just shear it apart and it gets it, chucked out again. Right. So it's just like cool. this one time like process. And uh, we've actually already observed this happen in our solar system. Hmm. Uh, the comet Shoemaker-Levy. Oh, yeah. Which not which. That probably sounds familiar to a lot of people. So we observed Schumacher-Levy made like a close pass of Jupiter and got ripped apart. This is so cool because Hubble actually observed it getting observed ripped like apart. The impact, and like right? The impact. And we have like this set of, uh, you can play the still images and get like basically the predecessor to the GIF. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah, this comet getting ripped apart and it's like this huge explosion. I mean, I don't, I forget what the equivalent in like, nuclear bombs oh be, yeah but huge. it would like destroy the earth yeah is what would happen it's like another dinosaur event yeah uh so we've already observed this to happen so we know that it's like a thing that happens okay um, aside from physics telling us that it's true cool so what this paper seeks to answer is uh could an object like Oumuamua have been formed by this type of a process tidal fragmentation hmm. so they basically develop like a model like a, a computer simulation model of uh, an object of, you know, a size anywhere from like 100 meters up to some kilometers up to like, you know, planet sized. Yeah. Passing within this limit of um, a star that is like roughly half the size of our sun, which is the most common type of star in our solar, in our galaxy. Okay. So they're just looking at the galaxy. Well, just I... Let me just revise that to in our universe. Like as as far as we know, like that's a very an extremely common type of star. Okay. Um. So it's they're basically universe. just using like the average star. Okay. Well, so our sun is above average. Uh, I mean, like on on this scale, you're talking about orders of magnitude, like a star <laughs> half the size of our sun. I just want to know how great our galaxy. I can't is. tell if you're joking with me or not. <laughs> no, I mean it's a serious question. No, our star is extremely average as well. Okay. I think we have like. Yeah. Anyway, half the size. Yeah, on this on the scale of stars, like a chain, a factor of two doesn't matter to astronomers. <laughs> so okay, all right. Yeah, they're like, well, it's approximately within ten orders of magnitude. Yeah, this is one of those things where I have to remind myself that you're not a physicist. So like, I'm so used to like in plasma physics, like everything that we do is orders of magnitude. Like we don't care if something's like all the results of my latest paper could be off by a factor of two and we could just say like oh well yeah but it's the right order of magnitude who cares <laughs> whereas like that would never it's pass different. okay in a lot of other fields well, i just want to you know i also just concerned with the rankings i want to know where our solar system ranks amongst all the entire universe basically i would say the sun is like you know like a theater kid uh-huh you know gonna get bullied but also has like some clout 
<laughs> you know to be fair you know we did grow up in america where for american football the winners of the super bowl are the world champions world champions yeah despite the fact that we are the only <laughs> yeah well, i mean you know next to the only country in the world that plays so yeah you know. so the sun is a galactic champion if you're comparing to <laughs> only stars smaller than it okay <laughs> anyway strung this tangent out for long enough yes so what they're doing is they're modeling like an object of you know the nominal case they say like an object of about 100 meters okay passing really close by and what they're modeling is specifically objects that would be coming on an extremely high eccentricity orbit so eccentricity just refers to like how circular the orbit is so if you have zero eccentricity that's perfectly circular if you have an eccentricity uh like the higher that that number gets, the more elliptical the orbit gets, and eventually eccentricity go to infinity. Uh, it I, I, it can in theory, but um, at eccentricity of one is the point where you then escape the system. Okay, so like eccentricity of one would be it's technically a parabolic orbit, but then once you go greater than one, it's like one of those flyby trajectories. So all of the planets in our solar system have an eccentricity less than one. Yes. Okay. Yes. But, you know, Oumuamua, when it came into our solar system, was eccentricity greater than one, which is why it escaped the solar system. Okay. So anyway, they're just modeling these ones that have very high eccentricity, still less than one, though. So this would be, like, equivalent to, in our solar system, if, like, a comet came in from, like, the Oort cloud and, like, fell in towards our sun and then passed really close. And the Oort cloud is, like, 2,000, you know, it's, like, thousands of times the distance that the Earth is from the sun. Okay, is it it's in our solar system or it's outside? It's still in our solar system, but it's just like extremely far away. Like, okay. like Voyager is still not even like close to this distance. Okay, so like for reference, Voyager is at 150 times the distance from the Earth to the Sun. We're talking about something that would fall in from thousands of times. Okay. Anyway, so it's coming in on this very like highly elliptic orbit which means that like only a little bit extra velocity and you could actually like kick it out of the soul out of the system okay so that's and that's important that's why i'm it seems kind of useless that i just <laughs> spent all that time explaining that but it's it's important for the simulation so oh so enough sorry it has enough velocity to escape the solar system or enough velocity so that it stays in the solar system but doesn't get it's like just barely too slow to escape so it would still it would do this just huge orbit around the sun and then every once in a while come very close yeah exactly and okay. so in our solar system we call these long period comets that's like one example it, it could be another type of object but that's basically what they're simulating in their model for like the nominal case okay which is to say that you know over the history of the universe this thing would pass around the sun like multiple times Yes, there are many, many instances. Like in our solar system, this happens a couple times a year. One okay. of these long period comets coming from thousands of of times the distance of the Earth. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. There's just a lot of stuff out there. Like you think of these things as being like, oh, it's so rare. but And it is. But then, you know, law of large numbers says it's still going to happen pretty often. Hmm. Cool. Okay. So their simulation has one of these long orbit, long com period comets, long period comets. Yeah, uh, but what they really are actually simulating, they just simulate basically like a 
a blob of material that's like held together by some sort of like material strength. Mm -hmm. And I'll show you a video of what happens. So, so now bearing in mind, we're, we're talking about tidal fragmentation. So you can already expect this thing is going to come in mm -hmm. and when it gets close to the sun, it's going to rip apart. Yes. So we've already established that. So now I want you to think about like what is going to happen to all the pieces after it gets ripped apart. And then I'll show you this video. Okay. Uh, or actually, sorry, hang on. So before I show you the video, I'll just kind of explain qualitatively like what, what to look for. So this thing's going to come in and get ripped apart. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to, now it's been ripped apart into like, you know, hundreds of fragments, right? Yeah. And there's going to be some spread in like the velocity of those fragments. Yeah. Like imagine like, you know, if, if you threw a snowball, it blows up and now it turns into a bunch of, like you throw it against a tree, it blows up and there's a bunch of pieces and they all kind of spread off in different directions and some of them are going to be quick and some of them are slow. Imagine histogram, it's like the velocity is just spread across a lot of different velocities. Right, exactly. So some stuff gets accelerated after it gets flung away mm -hmm. and some stuff gets slowed down. And so you remember what I said that this, this object is already traveling very close to the velocity, like the escape velocity. Mm, okay. So now if you imagine like these fragments, some of them get accelerated, that means that some of them are now going to be going faster than the escape velocity. And hence they escape whatever solar system that they're in. And exactly. So hence now one they're... one-way they're... ticket to the universe. <laughs> yeah. So now they're no longer bound by that star, even though okay. some of the pieces stay behind because they're too slow and they're even slower than they were beforehand. Mm. Uh, but some of them are accelerated and launched out of the solar system. Cool. So now that you kind of have that in mind, I'll show you this video of the simulation that they do. It's really cool. All right. So this, so they have this object coming in and you see this like trajectory that it's going on very close to that sun. This is so cool already. Yeah. So we zoomed. So now this video zooms in on the object and it's, you can see it's just like a, a sphere made up of a bunch of tiny little spheres. Dude, it looks like a, like nature publication quality version of xkcd yeah it pretty much is uh okay so it's going to show you what happens to this blob which is like a perfectly spherical blob right now it's going to show you what happens as it passes by the sun whoa a blunt <laughs> yeah so Just kidding so you but you see it rip apart it turns into this very long thin object and now that long thin object starts like breaking apart into even smaller long thin objects huh and now so i'm um, now you can see it highlights like which pieces of these are now stuck still stuck to the sun and which pieces of these have now acquired enough velocity to escape okay so i mean you know it's hard for people to visualize as they are looking at it but it, like you start with this blob and then it gets elongated as it passes by the perigee what's the uh, first closest part of the yeah uh, well yeah perihelion it would be technically perihelion no, sorry periastron technically because <laughs> it's a star because it's a generic star yeah it's <laughs> okay. so periaps periapsis is the generic way to say it okay the periapsis so you go from ball to basically cigar or blunt as vice <laughs> yeah. wants to say and then basically just the like last quarter of the cigar that's farthest away from the star has enough velocity now as it's starting to break apart to escape. Yeah. So all those little bits that now crumble off the cigar 
are going to escape the system. And so you remember, if you remember all the way back from episode 13, talking about like the weird characteristics of a muamua, it was cigar shaped and it's also spinning at oh. a rate of like, you know, once every, it was like 10 or 15 hours or something like that. Wow. So you remember that it's rotating and now look at these objects, these, these little objects that are in the, uh, that are now on like an escape trajectory and watch how they form. You can see them slowly like turn into these cohesive cigar shapes that are spinning. They're little muamuas. They're little muamuas. It's like They're... it's like it's like throwing these little vort like vortex things off. That's so cool. So as and so as they split apart, they just start spinning and rotating. That means a muamua has brothers and sisters. Yes. So that so so that means that this is if this is true, this is a very common like a muamua is a very common object. Which wow. they already think is true. Like they already estimated what's the you know probability like what's the density of these objects out in the solar system just based on having one observation of it, or now two. Mm -hmm. And they, they estimated it's like it's very high. And one of the reasons that you know, you said that it's very likely that they pass by pretty often, but we've only seen two ever, and these were in the last two years, that's more just a testament to the advancement of our imaging and detection techniques, correct? Like, uh, do you think we would have had the opportunity to have detected these previously? I think we had. I think we had the technology to detect these before. Like, we've been able to track, you know, deep space objects for a long time. Like, we we were sending stuff to Mars in the seventies. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think it's just that it's been in recent years and decades that we've started becoming concerned with tracking asteroids and comets for like planetary protection. Okay, so we've started doing these like large surveys trying to identify every object so perhaps there's there were just too many objects previously and not enough like time and people to actually like track right like we hadn't just sat down and diligently. said like let's look for everything that we can okay um so yeah so we've found two now in two years and uh it's almost certain we're going to keep observing them mm -hmm. now that we're looking for them so cool uh but so I thought this video was so cool just because like this one big blob from some other star system flies by the star and then flings off and you see it form these perfectly rotating cigars. It's amazing. What's really cool to me watching that video is to think that, you know, like we were saying, Omumu has these brothers and sisters, but like there are other parts of that same original mass that has split up that at one point in time we're at the exact same location as Oumuamua and now like they are thousands of millions of times the distance between the earth and sun away from it now yeah like maybe they're going to a different star system they could be any like anywhere in the universe basically. so the so what's also what's even crazier about that though uh-huh think about it that that Borisov object yeah. could have come from the same original object that Oumuamua did is that possible? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I yeah, guess. It's yeah, it's not course. impossible, right? Yeah. If they came from the if like the same process formed them. Yeah, totally. Whoa. So that's just crazy thinking about like we could just like if we observe many of these, we could actually just be flying through like the debris field of one of these destroyed planets. That's interesting from a relative perspective because we think of it as it's easy to think of it as like, oh, you know, our solar system's static here and here comes this thing just 
screaming through. Yeah. But like, you know, from its perspective, it just passed by and is just chilling. And here comes the solar system yeah. crashing its party. It's like the solar system equivalent of like a meteor shower. But with planets. But with planets. Whoa. Yeah. Do yeah. you think the little Oumuamua aliens are enjoying the show? Or even did? <laughs> yeah. I uh, hope so. Yeah, if they survived. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Space is nuts. When you just think about all the things that are happening... Oh, I know. It's wild. and that you know, and that's really only thinking about our dimension. Whoa, our universe. <laughs> now you're blowing my mind. So what I so on that note though, like I th- I think what what was so cool about this paper to me is that it's such a simple explanation that seems so obvious and and perfectly explains so many of the things that we see in Oumuamua, and which I'll get to some more in a minute. But it's like we didn't even think about this before. Yeah, like. It's only recently we've really understood like how vast the universe really is. Like mm-hmm. there are planets around other stars that could, be made of, that could be made of these substances that could be ripped apart this way. Oh, that's interesting. Even considering this as a possibility is just really entering. Right. Just, just the notion that we can model other star systems based off observations of our own. Because it's only recently we've learned that other star systems are extremely similar to our own. Yeah. You know? And so it's just like this very simple explanation. And you're like, I think that's what makes it such a great, that's why it's such a great example of like an Occam's razor. It's like, oh, well, it's so obvious. Now that you've said it, duh. Yeah. You know? The psychological effects of that are really interesting. Like you were talking about, like, why is this so appealing? Like, it makes us feel way more, at least to me, hearing the story and hearing this, uh, sort of the details of this paper it's like oh you know it's like we're just another neighborhood in the universe like yeah you know oh if you just go two light years uh down you know in that direction (laughs) yeah make a left uh, series and uh you're there yeah uh make sure you go around the solar system there's some there's a weird species living on one of those planets that uh, it's a bad neighborhood down that way. <laughs> yeah, you're going to want to avoid that planet Earth. <laughs> That's so cool. Did um, Were there any other interesting parts or like did they, you know, based on the original paper with that little sentence in the conclusion, like did they have any interesting conclusions or findings or suggest good future work? Yeah, well, so there's a lot more stuff. I'll get into the physics in a minute, but. Okay, uh, but there is since you bring it up, the last like concluding sentence of this paper is this one thing that I'm like, like blows my mind. Really? Yeah. Um, is it too soon to bring it up? No, let's bring it up. So they they basically say like, finally, in an effort to like address all of the um, topics related to a muamua, they're basically like, they're basically hinting at like. Could this be a spacecraft? Yes, we know everyone talks about a Muamua being an alien spacecraft, yada, yada. Um, and they're like, so in an effort to kind of address all the things, uh, they say, since these sojourns pass, I'm quoting, since these sojourns pass through the domains of habitable zones, the prospect of panspermia carried by them cannot be ruled out. So they're saying that these could be, uh, if, if, you know, panspermia, meaning the notion that life on earth comes from like off of the planet earth that like life spreads among planets which is to say like the seeds of life spreading from some random comets that broke up right yeah basically 
the plot of Prometheus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they're basically saying like objects like this would be a perfect spreader of life because they're passing all the way from, you know, 2000, 2000 AU astronomical units out. And then they're going to zip through the habitable zone, pass by some stuff, maybe collect some life, get ripped apart, sent out of the solar system and then come and encounter another one. That's so interesting. And you're like, the fact that this thing came even close to us, like, it's probably equally probable that something like that could have just hit a planet like Earth. Oh, yeah. And we know, like you're saying, you know, we know how many of these Earth-like planets exist. Thousands. Yeah. Based on measurements from Kepler and TESS and some of the other uh, satellites. You're like, huh? Send that out over a couple billion years and... Yeah, it's almost let's like sit, let's sit for it's almost seems impossible that it wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know? Uh so that was their kind of like their whoa wait, aliens kind of thing. <laughs> but there's a couple more like really interesting pieces that are more like physics based that uh I thought were just really cool. Yeah. So there's great. like so Oumuamua, I've said a thousand times, was like really strange because of all these different observations they made. And like so what what pushed those Harvard scientists to say potentially this is an alien spacecraft was because there was this acceleration that was observed after it had passed our sun that was non-gravitational. Okay. And there was some, I think I remember now, there was some thought that maybe that was because of solar pressure or... Yeah. And I think the consensus since we've done that episode, and even at the time it was already kind of forming, the consensus is it was caused by outgassing the same way that comets do. Okay. So basically, like the sun heats it up, and then there's volatiles, like just you know ice or and water and stuff. The planetary or comet equivalent of new car smell. <laughs> yeah, basically. So it kind of kind of wafts out and like accelerates it slightly more than it would otherwise. Okay. But what was weird, what was inconsistent about it being like it having an acceleration similar to a comet is that it didn't look like a comet. Like a comet we see is like has like an icy surface, mm-hmm. but a muamua is like really dry and rocky. But we also saw from spectroscopic measurements that it was outgassing. Oh, okay. So it was like this very weird, in, you know, this kind of like discrepancy that was not really explainable by what we really understand about asteroids and comets. Does this paper tie that together then? Oh yeah, oh. dude. It, I, I'm telling you, this is so cool. It's just like everything just comes together. So. During this close encounter, um, so because like the original object, the parent body, is originating way out in the in the Oort cloud. Yeah. You can imagine things out there are very cold, right? Yeah. So it was probably, it probably started out as this icy body. Like, you know, it, it probably, it very likely started out as a comet. That's like their most likely explanation. So then when it zips by its its host star, what happens is everything on the surface gets burned away. Like, it, it's traveling in so close that it just, like, totally melts the surface. Okay. So, it's just the all that's left is the core. So, well, yeah. It burns away all Sorry. the volatile stuff on the surface, but then it also gets so hot that it, like, sinters the surface. Hmm. So, it, like, kind of, like, it actually adds to the cohesion, which is what even allows it to turn into this really elongated structure, which normally wouldn't really be able to hold itself together. Oh, so it kind of like hardens up the outside and and then and they, you know, they show in their simulations like without that hardening, you wouldn't have the type of elongation that we saw with the Muamua, but the hardening allows it. So as it's going through this process and 
it's basically like the surface is just being ablated off as it uh encounters the sun but then some of that actually starts to compact and the compact isn't the right word it like it it like heats up and then like melts yeah melts and then hardens basically okay i mean melting is not really exactly it but i mean they use the word center center okay so cool so but then after the outside hardens you've still got all these volatiles on the inside that didn't get burned away and that i think they said should be mostly water ice hmm so now you have all this stuff that's stuck on the inside even though wow. the outside water looks ice. even though the outside looks dry and rocky and then they say now it comes in to our sun and now it, you know it flies through flies through the galaxy the milky way for however long you know it could be billions of years and then it comes into our solar system it's smoking past, hot it, no freezing cold <laughs> it comes in it comes into our solar system now and it passes by close to our sun which heats it back up and when it heats it back up it cooks the inside because our sun is hotter so i mentioned that the host star would be half the size of our sun yeah so our sun's hotter so it cooks up the inside because our sun is great because our sun is, yeah, you know, it's at the top of the pecking order yeah. <laughs> in the Milky Way. <laughs> and uh, so those volatiles heat up, they sublimate to the outside, and then they outgas. So okay. you, you would have this outgassing even though it doesn't look like it has volatiles on the out, on the surface. And that's because it doesn't. Wait, so are you telling me that, like, with enough time and enough passes, Oumuamua is going to turn into the universal equivalent of a Cadbury egg? Yeah, dude, it's got this nice creamy center and that perfect crispy outer shell. Yeah, a brown outer shell. It looks like that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Although it's more like a chocolate cigar, you know. Yeah, maybe like the Kinder equivalent. Are you sure Kinder's not in on this? They may have been big chocolate. Yeah, it may be all a big conspiracy. <laughs> okay. No, that this is coinciding with Easter. Big time for chocolate sales. Dang. Yes. Yes, I think, I think we're onto something here. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating though. That's so cool to think like to actually think of the different layers of Oumuamua instead of just from the previous images that we had talked had sort of come to mind from the the other paper. I really thought of it as just this thin sheet or like a thin cigar, you know, very uh, homogenous, same material everywhere. But yeah, it's just like case. a rock, just a rock. But it's actually like it's weird, and when you see that video, it makes you really appreciate that these things that look like a big rock i mean you you imagine holding a rock in your hand you couldn't like squeeze it and change its shape no but when you see you know like that video it makes you appreciate that these asteroids are really like a collection of rocks that are yes. being held together by gravity loosely collected yeah. yeah and so then when it it whips by the sun and it also makes you appreciate how strong that gravitational force is that it can take this thing of this mass of rocks and like stretch it out that way that's crazy yeah so, I mean, that's basically it. The la they kind of finish up just talking about, like, what's kind of the most likely parent body. And I've already kind of touched on this. But they say, like, the most likely scenario is that it is um, one of these long period comets. And that's just based on the fact that, like I said, we observe several of those every year coming in from the Oort cloud. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's like the most frequently occurring thing. Then they say uh, the second most likely source is um is super earths whoa Man, your eyes just went so wide yeah that means that we're below average though yes earth is below average <laughs> so just kidding uh but well, not kidding but yeah so i mean like 
with Kepler and Tess and Spitzer, like we've been observing tons of exoplanets now. And we, we actually now know that these super Earths and sub Neptunes are like extremely common, especially around these main sequence stars, like these stars that are about half the size of the sun. Okay. Or even the size of the sun. Like we know now that like these things are everywhere. Yeah. Like it's more likely that a star has a super earth than doesn't. Actually, don't, uh, don't hold me to that. I'm going to delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But it's very likely that if you find a star, it has a planet around it. Yeah. I mean, like they just, they use the word ubiquitous in the paper. So they're everywhere, and you can imagine a giant object like that, uh, you know, five times the size of the Earth, when it gets ripped apart, it's going to have a lot of fragments. So I would hope. So even though it's way less frequent for a planet to get ripped apart by a star, it's producing a lot more objects, which is why it it becomes kind of like the second most likely explanation for interstellar objects like this. Okay, I have a tangential question for you. Go ahead. As the uh, resident expert on orbital <laughs> mechanics. Okay. What's like the likelihood? Is it even possible if you take Mercury, for example, that Mercury could get pulled in to what's the limit called again? The limit, the boundary on which things get ripped apart. Um, I want to say it's called the Roche limit, and I don't know why I'm thinking of that. The closest distance from the center of a planet that a satellite can approach without being pulled apart by the planet's gravitational field. I'm the man. Nice work. You're the man. I'm the man. So, okay. I guess this is actually many questions couched in one question. Okay. But, um, like, for Mercury, is it slowly spiraling in towards the sun? Any planet? I don't. I don't think so. I, like, I know the moon is slowly spiraling into the Earth, but I think that's because it's tidally locked. So, like, there's somewhere that that energy is going. I don't know if that's really the case with, like, Mercury. But anyway, go ahead. Let's so, say hypothetically it is. So, I mean, like, even, like, realistically, it's possible for things to just orbit forever. Like, that energy... Is there some sort of loss mechanism? So, like, if you looked at it in a thousand billion years, it would actually, like... Yeah, I guess eventually, like, it's going to slow down hitting the solar wind. And I mean, okay, yes, I think in reality, yes, eventually it would it would come in. But I think that would take a lot longer than it takes for, like, the sun to explode. Okay. No one's, you know, no one's asking the hard question. Wait, but (laughs) what what were you? What what is the question? (laughs) Well, so my my real question was then, uh, like, what would happen to faster the sun exploding or one of the planets in our solar system passing this Roche limit and actually getting ripped apart. So conceivably, if we could live long enough that we could witness that, because that would be sweet. In our solar system, the sun, the sun's going to explode way before that happens. Damn. But even if that were true, like Mercury wouldn't have enough energy to fling anything out of the solar system. Like, remember how I said it has to be coming in with already almost enough velocity to leave the solar system. Yes. And then it just gets a small kick from this ripping apart tidal fragmentation process. I just mean the general ripping up process. <laughs> you, just I mean, to, you just want to watch a planet get destroyed, that's all? Well, because it makes rings. Yeah, okay. Gotta think, about, gotta think about the cool byproducts. Dude, it's just making me think of like in that Planets documentary on PBS that yeah. we're obsessed with. 
Yeah. Where they talk about how Saturn's rings are only like, what was it, like 10 million years old? They're not that old. Yeah. Like, like if it, you if you were around when the dinosaurs were here, like, and you looked through a telescope, you would not have seen rings. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yes. It's crazy. You look at these things and your sense of scale for every dimension is off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we, we like we just get to enjoy Saturn's rings and they're like very transient in this yeah scheme of the oh, universe. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Life, man. Life. Boom. And with that, <laughs> need one of those uh, blunts Vice was talking about. <laughs> yes, this is definitely sounds like we've been smoking some amuamuas. Some amuamua. Yeah, that's gonna be the new the new strain coming out. Yeah. <laughs> man, well that's cool. I'm really glad you brought that paper in. That was awesome. Just as you said, you did not oversell it. Yeah, it's just like one of these great examples of like, it's such a simple explanation that explains everything. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm going to add an audio asterisk to that because obviously I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, next week there will be a response to this saying, whoa, 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 whoa. But for now, I think this is really cool. It's like, wow, that's, a, that's a, such an elegant uh, solution to this. Yeah, absolutely. And what's crazy is uh, there's a quote from that Science Alert article from mm -hmm. uh, Zhang, the first author of the paper. It says, on average, each planetary system should eject in total about a hundred trillion objects like Oumuamua. Whoa. Can you believe that? I don't even, that doesn't even mean anything to me. I, that, yeah, that's like a meaningless number, right? Yeah. I also like, it doesn't say that in the paper anywhere. And, you know, this quote is here and I actually have a hard time believing that that's true. Over what time span, you know? I guess over the life of... So, yeah, this goes back to your point that, like, it's impossible to imagine, like, our sense of scale in every dimension is off. Yeah. Like, that's actually probably true over the lifespan of a solar system because yes. it's so long. Yeah. Oh, that's so wild. Here's another question. Does it... Would it have to be the star, you think? Like, could Saturn or Jupiter fling something out? Uh, it does. It did actually have like a kind of a throwaway line in the paper that was like, this could happen around. I forget the word they use, like near Jupiter's or something. Anyway, things that are Jupiter sized. Um, OK, it, it could occur from those. Cool. But that also assumes that the system has one of those. OK, so sweet. Well, that was great. Good paper. Yeah. Uh, Put that in your blunt and smoke it <laughs> yeah if you want to say that uh yeah so that video so the paper is not open access but the video you can watch like anyone can watch so okay. we'll, we'll put a link to the video on our website so you can find it there paperboyspodcast.com it's really cool and if if this like was confusing at all any of our explanation was confusing at all just watch the video it, it will make it make about 20 times more sense yeah like just having a yeah. physical picture in your mind while we're talking about this will be helpful. Yes. I probably should have said that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. Check us out, paperboyspodcast.com. And a friendly reminder that this month, we're donating all the proceeds from our Patreon account to a good cause, which is the local food bank here in Seattle. So if you're interested, check that out to patreon.com slash paperboyspod. Yeah, our bonus episode this month, talking about the Spanish flu. Ugh. I'm like, dude, it's like st really sticking with me. I know. It's hard to feel 
so negative when it's so nice outside and spring out. But like things can always be worse. Remember that. Yeah. Well, and also I feel like now we're getting a lot of reports from different areas saying, oh, we're now we've passed the peak and we're coming down. And all I can think of is that one graph of the Spanish flu pandemic where you see there's this there's this spike and it looks bad and then it subsides for like six months and then there's this spike that is five times worse yep 50 million people died and the timing is exactly the same spring at least for the first wave yeah happening in march subsides in the summer granted it's not world war one yeah we're not sending millions of soldiers home (laughs) no thankfully But, but but we anyway but it's 21st century so anyways yeah check it out I thought it was a fascinating episode to dive into, and hopefully you'll enjoy it too. Yeah, and not get too depressed or scared. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for listening. Please join us again next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.